Severe storms that rolled through Indiana early this week produced high winds and dumped heavy rains on parts of the Hoosier State. Those storms produced three tornadoes, caused structural damage and hazardous flooding, and left thousands without power. But the torrential downpours those storms brought were only the latest in what is shaping up to be a very wet summer. While the high amount of rain is causing problems for residents, it means serious trouble for some Indiana farmers who are facing hundreds of millions of dollars in crop damages. I'm Bob Zaltzberg of the Herald Times, and today on Noon Edition, we'll speak with sources from around the state and take a look at how the recent weather is affecting Hoosiers. And we invite you to join the conversation after this hour's news. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. publichealth.indiana.edu. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're going to talk about uh, the weather here in Indiana. (laughs) Severe storms really ripped through the area early this week with high winds and dumped a lot of heavy rain across the Hoosier State. But, of course, it had been raining for a week or so before that. Um, There were three tornadoes in the last storm um, and a lot of flooding, and, and thousands of people were left without power. But this has been, uh, you know, quite a serious situation for farmers in the state and for a lot of people in the state this year. So we're going to talk about that with three guests uh, from around Indiana. We have Steve Crow here in the studio with us. And Steve is a farmer uh, who's out in Greene County. He's also president of the Greene County Farm Bureau. And John Erickson is in the studio. John's a repeat guest. He's director of public information at the Indiana Department of Homeland Security. And joining us by phone is Al Scheip, a hydrologist with the National Weather Service in Indianapolis. And last time Al was here, we were talking about drought. So this is going to be a big, big change in the, in the topic today. If you want to join us on the program, you can give us a call at 812 812- in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 from outside the Bloomington area. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. So uh, thanks for being here. All all three of our guests. Hi, Bob. You know, it's funny. As long as we've done this show, we really don't talk about the weather that often. We don't. We don't. But this this, is great. We're thrilled to have these guys here. That's right. It's a big, big news story this year. So I want to, I want to talk to uh, Al first. We'll bring Al in from Indianapolis because you've been observing the weather in the state. Um, You know, how do you, how how would you characterize what's going on in terms of flooding and and, uh, the wet weather? As far as the wet weather since the end of the, towards the end of May there, I'm going to say it's, it's unprecedented for the state of, as a whole. Uh, June was by far the wettest June on record for the state as a whole of Indiana, and uh, this was confirmed by our climatologic, or state climatologist at Purdue, and it was the fourth wettest month on record overall for the state. And then this pattern has continued nearly uninterrupted into uh, the first half of July. Uh, 
Now, if we do see some drier days ahead, warmer days ahead, uh, and actually talking tomorrow, probably the hot, warmest of the season, I see here uh, for Indianapolis area, this is the coolest start to July since uh, 2009, but 2009 was not nearly as wet as what we are here. Mm-hmm. Rain, of course, has a cooling effect mm-hmm. on the uh, on on temperatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the uh, as, as they mentioned last time I was on the show, we were talking about drought, how unprecedented dryness from like the Terre Haute area over to the west side of Indianapolis. This time it's the reverse, not maybe as much over in Terre Haute area, but certainly closer to home as far as I'm concerned in southern uh, southern parts of um, Hendricks County and uh, in Morgan County there, nearly a, over a foot of rain in a seven-day period. And uh, something that uh, our record rainfall for July here at Indianapolis is 13 inches. So there are areas that have seen record rains already for the month of July, although they probably have not kept records. Mm-hmm. And the flooding, the flood crest there in the, uh, is arriving today in Greene County almost exactly 36 years ago what it was uh, from the remnants of Hurricane Bob, where, uh, and of course that was a, a bad season for the central and southern Indiana farmers, 79, and uh, and unfortunately uh, there, that was just, a, I won't say the beginning, but they had one higher flood that came towards the end of July and early August. Currently the outlooks do not indicate that we they seem to indicate we're going to see warmer days ahead and drier days ahead. And uh, I'm sure the agriculture community mm. hopes that is correct. They don't want to see a repeat of uh, what we had in 79 at the end of July and the beginning of August. Right. Okay, Al. Well, we're going to turn to the agriculture community. We have Steve Crow here from the Greene County Farm Bureau. So, Steve, can you kind of characterize what it's like on the farm with this wet weather? Well, it's causing... Um a lot of disease pathogens in your crops. Soybeans are hurting from different uh, fungal diseases. Your corn is starting to show signs of it. Um, the hot weather will be the telltale because when the rain quits and it gets hot and it starts growing again, those uh, um, problems will start showing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it too late for them to come back and and thrive? Yes. Okay. Most most of the corn right now is in the reproductive stage. It is setting ears, mm-hmm. or starting to. Mm-hmm. So what about so uh, in terms of so what do you grow? Corn, soybeans, mm-hmm. and we raise cattle. Yes. And so what you know have you lost a percentage of your crops or? Personally, we've probably lost somewhere in the neighborhood of. 15 to 20 percent. Wow. And that's uh, the USDA estimated 25 percent of the state's corn and soybean crop are in bad condition. So that's pretty consistent with that. What what do you need to have happen for a best possible case scenario weather-wise going forward? Uh, Stop raining. (laughs) (laughs) Um, To uh, have it dry up some, get the river back in its banks. Because I'm, I'm actually at Bloomfield, which is the measuring point. Is, they call it Elliston. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to crest today at, I believe, 24 feet and some change. That's And that's six or seven feet above flood stage. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
So let's t- take a, the state perspective with John, John Erickson from the Indiana Department of Homeland Security. Mm-hmm. So, so where are the worst par- parts of the state in terms of flooding? Well, Portland is, uh, has been hit really hard in Jay County. Mm-hmm. Uh, down south, um, Columbus, Brown mm-hmm. County, northern Brown County, uh, certainly um, Jeffersonville has mm-hmm. been hit mm-hmm. hard. Um, and a lot of people hurting in those areas. Mm-hmm. So I know, you know, we, we reported in the paper about a death in Brown County. Have there mm-hmm. been other tragedies like that, that not, from the Not that the I've seen as far as reports that we get. Sometimes those are slow to come through to us at the state. So there may have been. Uh, certainly one death is one too many. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, though, with the magnitude of storms that came through, that we may have been very fortunate as far as loss of life. But, you know, you don't want to ever think that uh, one death is a good thing. No, right. John, what can the state do to help people who are suffering? Well, what we're doing right now is we're staying in continual touch with our county emergency management agencies. And what they do is they, they uh, coordinate these efforts on a local level. We don't, as a lot of times in the movies, you see that the state or the feds swoop in and say, we're in control. That is not how it is in Indiana. Um, All jurisdiction is local. And so when they ask us to come in and help, that's when we come in and help. Mm -hmm. What we're doing right now is we're gathering damage information. And if uh, people will report that to our dhs.in.gov website, uh, and on the homepage, there's there's a link where they can report their damage. Uh, And what we're trying to do is quantify that so that we can figure out if we can ask for federal mm-hmm. assistance. Mm-hmm. Now, do you um, co- coordinate efforts with the Red Cross? I know people are being displaced from their homes because of this. We, we absolutely, we work very closely with the Red Cross. They're a great organization. They, they have a wonderful mission and they work very, very hard. Um, we, um, they uh, help house people short term. They set up shelters. They, they get people in hotels. Uh, feed people, uh, some of them responders, uh, but we work very closely with the Red Cross and other local organizations that, that help people in the short term. Okay, so if you have uh, questions or comments today, if you want to get join our, our program, we're talking about issues involving the, the weather, flooding, and the tornadoes that, that just occurred. And we even have, we have Al Scheip, who's he knows everything about what's going to happen with the weather, so we'll, he can tell you that too. You can give us a call at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition, and you can even follow us on Twitter at noon edition. So in terms of Steve, Steve Crow, the, uh, who's our farmer from Greene County, so you're going to lose maybe 15 to 20 percent of your crop. So you're talking about uh, looking for federal assistance. John, is that something that Steve would be able to apply for? Uh, it, it would depend on on the way that's set up. A lot of the, a lot of the programs that would uh, apply to farmers would be through the U.S. Department of Agriculture, mm-hmm. but certainly wouldn't rule it out uh, as far as uh, through <coughs> Federal Emergency Management Agency uh, or other grant programs that we might have or, or low-interest disaster loans. Mm-hmm. Steve? Uh, crop insurance is the big is the big key. Mm-hmm. <coughs> There's yeah. several different products available, mm-hmm. and uh, you purchase the product that you. Th- it's tailored to your operation, mm-hmm. yeah, and it covers you for the particular policy I carry. Covers me for eighty percent of my ten-year production. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so you're do, on, on average. Do most other people who farm that you know carry crop insurance? Some do, some don't. It's <laughs> an expensive. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. see, well, the farmers have to purchase this mm-hmm. from an insurance company. Mm-hmm. So it's a year like this year that it pays off. Yes. <laughs> All right. I want to go back to, to Al and talk about the, you know, you talked about how this is an unprecedented situation we're in. You know, I remember back in, I think it was 2008, we were talking earlier that, you know, Martinsville was, you know, they, I think they had a dam burst in Martinsville. They were pretty much underwater. Columbus had a lot of issues. Uh, their hospital was flooded out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how does this year compare to, to 2008? Well, in 2008, the flood, uh, the flooding that happened, which was extreme in portions of uh, southern Indiana, there again, something that uh, they had not ever seen uh, since 1875 in the uh, Greene County area. Uh, that occurred early in the month of June. The rains uh, let up quite a bit by the middle of June. The rivers receded, although there was a lot of damage. The farmers had time to go in and replant soybeans, and then rains continued on a fairly regular basis. And they, those who replanted, uh, at least I was told that they uh, they did pretty well on the on the soybean crops. So this time, with everything still wet in the middle of July, there is no time to go back in mm-hmm. and replant. Mm-hmm. There, the, you're you're essentially finished. And this is what happened in '79, especially. When we had this, uh, the second wave and final wave of flooding in early August in southwest Indiana, it just took out the crops, and that was it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do. Steve is nodding his head in here, and I know he, he had told us before that 2008 was the year he can remember. So what was your experience in that year, Steve? 2008, <clears throat> uh, we lost uh, probably somewhere around 90% of our total corn crop. Oh, my. Wow. Wow. And uh, and you weren't able to replant that one? No, we was re- able to replant all the soybeans. Oh, okay. But we had a window of about a week and a half to get them in. So what's that mean, and, you know, for those of us who aren't farmers? So you have a, a week and a half window. What what kind of work does that – what's that mean for you in terms of a day-to-day workload? Uh, you get in the seat and you sit there all day and three-quarters of the night and – you really work hard. Yeah, for like eight or nine days in a row. For eight or nine days in a row, you put in 15, 16 hour days. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that's, yeah, that, that the, the weather really can mess you up. So, you know, as a farmer, you're always paying attention to what the, the weather is going to do. I mean, obviously, that's what kind of equipment do you have to try to pay attention to that? Or you just watch the weather reports and. I've got, I've got some websites that I pull up, yeah. or I just watch the weather reports. There's not much. You, you can't control the weather. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So it ends up being horrible to be. That's why you buy the crop insurance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Well, John, that's you're right. kind of in charge of things we, we can control, and that's readiness. Yeah. So I am looking at uh, visit, or I'm, I'm sorry, getpreparedindiana.gov. Yeah. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, that's a website that we have that has just a wealth of information as far as getting prepared for situations such as this and also uh, what to do after. Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly, as Steve said, you can't control the weather. You can't control a lot of circumstances, but you can 
put together uh, some supplies. You can make some plans that will help you in situations like this. For instance, if you know more than one way to evacuate your neighborhood or, or where you live, that way if a road is blocked off, if that, that way um, if you just find out that um, you know, you have some flooding, you can turn around and, and drive another way. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that we stress is don't drive through floodwaters. It may look okay, uh, but we've had a lot of people across the state who tried to get into, tried to drive through floodwaters, and then public safety professionals had to go in and get them out. So not only are they risking their safety, but they're risking the mm-hmm. safety of those public safety people, too. And if it's moving water, it's actually a very, it's a shockingly small amount yeah. of water Do you know that you probably know this off the top of your head? I don't. A couple of inches can knock an adult off their feet. Um, Just a couple of feet can move a vehicle. So you're talking not much. It it may look benign. It may Mm -hmm. not look like there's much to it. The other thing is it obscures your visibility. You don't know what's underneath. You think it's smooth road. You think it's that road that was there. It could be completely washed away. It could mm-hmm. it could take parts of your car under you know up to the wheel and, and further. So you need to be careful and just stay out of those floodwaters. Yeah, that's nothing to kid around with. Right, absolutely. <laughs> Steve, from a you know a farm perspective, I mean you're out on some pretty small roads, I assume, in Greene County. I mean, have you seen a lot of roads being washed out this year? Not too many. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. You yeah. see a few places that get some erosion damage but not too bad Mm -hmm. i want to ask you also about you know what one year of bad weather like this and and all the flooding i mean what does that does that have any lasting effect for like next year is there anything different you have to do to prepare your fields or anything we hope not (laughs) Uh, it will depend on how much uh, debris is washed in from the river Mm. Mm -hmm. what about the fungal disease is that anything that uh, carries over in the soil or is that always there or most of the time the fungal diseases are carried in the soil uh-huh. and they're there yeah they mm-hmm. just are waiting for the right conditions waiting to for the right conditions yes. which we just sadly happen to have right now or they're carried in the air some of them i mean mm-hmm. there's several ways that you get those mm-hmm. if you're doing a continuous single crop like continuous corn you'll have more trouble with sure fungal diseases yeah. than you do if you rotate it. Yeah. Um, it's just stuff you have to manage for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Al, from a, from a perspective of somebody who works for the National Weather Service, I mean, is there anything you can point to that created the, the conditions that have, you know, have caused all this rain for this long? Well, I, I happen to be a hydrologist, even though I do have training in meteorology. Yeah. What they're they're telling me is the uh, early earlier we had a high pressure that was uh, over the it wouldn't move over the uh, in the Atlantic Ocean and that was funneling in that started bringing in the rain systems that uh, instead of going over to Florida in the southeast where currently I haven't looked lately but I know earlier they were they were pretty dry that was bringing bringing that that storms up our way. Now, and then, then after that occurred, then we got locked into this uh, flow where we had the uh, front very close to us, and we were getting uh, on the uh, other side of the ridge. When I say the ridge to the west, where it was very warm, out in the, uh, the central part of the United States, then we we were getting northwest flow that were bringing all those storms, and you can see that pattern in the heavy rainfall. 
basically go from the northwest to the southeast. You just curve right along, um, right along the the I sixty five corridor, and follow that from Indianapolis south to Louisville. Mm-hmm. About a thirty forty mile wide area. There was an area in there that got anywhere from five to twelve inches or more of rain in a seven seven day period. But it, the pattern just just didn't move. Mm-hmm. Now we're expecting this jet stream to move north here in the coming week or so, and then the storms will be deflecting around us and we'll stay warm, possibly hot, and uh, dry or relatively dry, much drier than what we've been. How about the humidity? You got any predictions on that? (laughs) Well, given all the moisture that we have in the soil and what crops are remaining, they've certainly got plenty of moisture to pull on, and that can contribute a lot to the local discomforts because as long as the sun's out on the sky... They're going to be uh, doing their thing, and uh, they need moisture, and they're going to be pulling out of the ground if they can, if it's available, and it's certainly there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, we have a phone call, and it's uh, Valerie in Owen County. Valerie? Yeah, um, I haven't heard anyone mention this yet, but this is, at least to me, a pretty significant situation in that uh, it's been almost impossible for people to bail hay. And, you know, when you think about all the animals that need hay, and if we have a winter like we've had for the last two, uh, you know, around here, the weather's, when the weather's uh, cooperating, you can get three or four cuttings of hay. And I know some people who haven't even been able to do their first cutting. So, um, well, you know, that's, a, that's another crisis situation related to this weather. And the more the wetter the ground is and the more humid it gets, even if it's not raining, the longer it takes to dry the hay to bale it. So it uh, could be a real crisis in terms of forage availability. Mm-hmm. Steve, your reaction? Uh, <clears throat> yes. The, oh, okay, okay, Valerie. Thanks, thanks Valerie. Val. The hay is an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, we have several acres of hay that we have not cut the first time, probably mm-hmm. in the neighborhood of 100. Wow. That's a Um, lot of work. We have started personally going to a system where you wrap it in a plastic sheath and bale it wet. Bale it about 50% moisture, so it's basically hay in a day. Mm -hmm. Mm. And that's been a savior this year, but for doing dry hay, this has been a tough year. And at this point, the food value has degraded so much in the first cutting, hey, you're just almost better off letting it set for a few more weeks, and hopefully you get some regrowth in the bottom oh, of, okay. the, of it. I have to ask a very obviously, obviously, I'm not a farmer question, which is how does it not rot when you wrap it in the the, the, the method you described first, where you wrap it in the plastic? It's airtight. Oh. It insiles. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what's the impact of this, you know, on you? If you if you don't have the hay that you need, what's the ultimate impact? If you don't have enough, you may have to sell some livestock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you're going to have to try to purchase hay from somebody that has it, which will probably, probably be a fairly costly expense this year. Mm-hmm. It's the supply and demand mm-hmm. issue. Right. right. 
Right. And the transportation costs associated with that and everything yes. else. Yes, of course. Okay, well, we're talking about uh, Indiana's problems with the weather this year, and we have three guests with us. Steve Crow is a farmer from Greene County and uh, representative of the Greene County Farm Bureau, and also John Erickson with the Indiana Department of Homeland Security, and Al Scheip with the National Weather Service is joining us by phone from Indianapolis. If you want to join us on the program, please give us a call at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. And you can join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiunews.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg from the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And we have three guests today, as I mentioned before the break, Steve Crow, who is a uh, farmer in Greene County and president of the Greene County Farm Bureau. John Erickson is director of the Public Information Office at the Indiana Department of Homeland Security. And Al Scheip uh, is a hydrologist with the National Weather Service in Indianapolis. So if you want to give us a call and ask us uh, questions about you know, the weather and the issues with the weather or give us uh, any anecdotes or just talk to us at all, please feel free, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. Al, um, this is purely anecdotal or, or observe it from my own personal observation, but it seems like uh, this spring and summer we've had fewer tornadoes than in the past. Is that an accurate observation? And if so, to what do you um, attribute that? I wish Mr. Tuzik was here. He's our tornado expert, but what you said is correct. I believe was the I, I think the the tornadoes we've had this um, season here are the first of the year for our area and uh, by the by the EF scale they're relatively weak, uh, F zero, F one. which means you which means they're they're well they cause damage but they're not as severe mm-hmm. and we've just not had the um, we've been on the cool side uh, starting off uh, March uh, which if it's cold you certainly can't have severe weather and uh, it's just been it's just been quiet here uh, the patterns have been going around us hmm. okay so well, it's I, not I think it's... they were mentioning on the weather channel that. Uh, up to a certain point there, it was uh, a lull, I believe, in February or maybe into March, 
where they, as a, as a country as a whole, hadn't had much severe weather, hadn't had a tornado. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, I'm not losing my mind then. That was an accurate observation. All right, thank you. But we did just have a, a couple, and I know uh, John Erickson. You've had to deal with some of the aftermath of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that what uh, what we've been telling people as far as um, when when they're flooded, when uh, when they have severe weather. Uh, whether it's a business, whether it's an organization, whether it's home, uh, time is not on your side, and it's to get back in there just as soon as you can. Obviously, safety is is your first concern, but particularly with floodwaters, uh, the longer that you leave mate- building materials, items in your home, item in your items in your office wet, uh, the less likely you are to be able to salvage those. And so we we provide people with some information. Again, you had mentioned it earlier that. Uh, getprepared.in.gov has has information about how to get back in your home, some tips to get back in your home. And I've, I've got a lot of things that I can talk about here. Um, uh, one of the things is when you get ready to get back in your home or office, wherever it is, turn off the electricity uh, because you don't want to be walking into a situation where you're standing in water and grabbing things that are plugged in and, and are live. And uh, also you want to dress appropriately, sturdy shoes, long long pants, uh, you want to have uh, safety glasses as well because things are going to be splashing around. So uh, that that type of situation, you you can get ill from uh, from you know things uh, that kind of bacteria on a cut if it gets in your eye, something like that. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. How toxic floodwaters are considered mm-hmm. to be? I mean, I you see pictures of people walking through it, which you know I just blah, it makes yeah. me grosses me out. But um, I, it just seems. Very unwise. <laughs> let, let me first say that you're right to be grossed out. Okay. Uh, it, it, you, you certainly want to have boots, waders if you can. Uh, and if you're exposed to floodwaters, you really should go back to your doctor and, and, or your health department and say, do I need a tetanus shot? Yeah. Because you, you really want to be careful. There's a lot, uh, gasoline, oil, other materials that are in there, e- even if uh, furniture and other things are soaking in the water, there are toxic materials sure. in there that, that will shed off. In a, in a liquid environment. So you want to be very, very careful. Not to mention the sanitary sewers that are then backed up. Over, yeah, yes. overloaded and, and yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get back to some more uh, tips. We have a phone call from Jerry who's in Reelsville. Jerry? Yes. Go ahead. I'm trying to remember the year of the 11 inch rain here in Putnam County. That would be a question for Al. I'm going to say, let's see, you had the 11-inch rain. First, there was the uh, August 8, 1992, where Scott County got 8 to 13 inches, or no, 10 to 13 inches of rain in six and a half hours. Oh, my gosh. And then the next year was uh, went over the Interstate 70 there up in, up in uh, Owen County, or not Owen County, well, I'm trying to think, Putnam County. Which uh, that could have been uh, that year, or else it could have been June of uh, 2008. Wow! It could have been August of uh, 1993 or June of uh, 2008. Well, it it rolled down rocks from the hills into the fields. The farmers had to watch out for all those rocks that mm-hmm. rolled down. Mm-hmm. Well, there, and there's uh, yeah. Uh, they, yeah, I said June 2008, right? 2008 or August 1993. Yeah, that's a big walnut here in Reelsville. Right. <laughs> and this year it's been bank full for a while, but it, it has not flooded our fields yet, so we've lucked out so far. 
Well, I hope you hope it stays that way. Right. I hope your luck continues, Jerry. <laughs> right. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot for the call. Uh, okay. So, Steve, did you have a? Do you remember that rain? You, I'm gonna say it was probably 08. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. That was. Yeah. Yeah. You were. That was the year that you were. You guys really got hit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, Bob, we were. I. I think that was the year that cars were floating down Kirkwood Avenue here in Bloomington, if I recall correctly. Eighty-two of Indiana's ninety-two counties were declared disasters in two thousand and eight. Eighty-two of yep. ninety-two. That's amazing. Yeah, we had two of the biggest disasters in the state's history. Uh, in that year in June, the June flooding, and then we had uh, some additional flooding and then all the wind from the hurricane back in September of that year as well. So that was that was a big year as far as damage and, and just nasty, vicious weather. Mm-hmm. So I want to go back to the, now that, I mean, the floodwaters, uh, we hope after today will be receding a little bit. So you were talking about people getting back into their homes. Mm-hmm. Any other tips for what they should do? Yeah, there, there are a lot of things that they should do. And again, go to getprepared.in.gov for complete information. But uh, I, I think some of these things are common sense. You want to open up the house as quickly as mm-hmm. possible, get some fans in there, get some dehumidifiers, and just start going through your items. Likely, soft items are going to be less likely to, to be salvaged, mm-hmm. but you just need to quickly... Uh, decide which ones you think you can try to salvage, which ones you can't. A good rule of thumb is if it's been submerged, it's likely not salvageable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you want to uh, plan accordingly. <coughs> Even if it's a very sentimental value, it's unlikely. I mean, if you want to try, go ahead. But, but if it's been submerged, it's probably not likely. Now, if it's just been gotten wet, you, you may be okay. If it's been up on a shelf and, and been exposed to humidity, you're, you're okay, even if it's electronics, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need, to, you need to get in there as quickly as possible. Uh, you need to try, to try to dry those things out. And some other things that we tell people is when you're looking to um, uh, wash linens, wash some other things, take them to a friend's house, take them to a laundromat. Don't try to do them at home because you've got all that mess there and and even if you do have electricity going which we don't recommend you do uh, you, you need to get it away from that environment because it's just going to dry out better it's going to be mm-hmm. a better situation overall and uh, just move through it as as much as you can don't try to do it all at once it's a very emotional time it's a very mm-hmm. difficult time mm-hmm. um, and you know be safe and and work through that process as reasonably as you can. What what do people need to do in order to uh, restore power to their homes in a safe fashion? Well, what they need to do is once once they feel like they're ready and repairs have been done and and, and other things have happened, uh, they need to go to an electrician mm. and they need to have that person evaluate if if it's if the structure is ready. Also, once all repairs are made, once you think you're ready to get back in the house permanently, you do need to have somebody come and take a look at the home who's a professional in that mm-hmm. area so that they can tell you uh, if they have any concerns about anything going on in the house. Do you recommend people remove drywall uh, up to the level where it was um, absorbed water or uh, you know exposed to It's It's going to depend. Uh, usually, yes, that that is the case. Now, if it's just if it's been very light, I mean, I would leave that to the contractors and the professionals. But, yes, if it's come in contact with water, it's likely it's going to need to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Al, um, I think in a conversation about weather like this, it's always worth uh, reviewing the the watch versus warning um, 
and how those things are issued. You know, when does when the National Weather Service issues a, a flood watch or a flood warning or a tornado watch or a tornado warning? I mean, what, what are you, what are you looking for, and what do those mean? A watch means that conditions are favorable for either flooding, tornadoes, severe weather, and generally there's about at least a 30% chance of that happening. Now, a warning is issued when we feel confident, and we're, when I say confident, at least an 80% chance that it is going to happen. It's either been detected by radar, we've had sufficient rain on the ground that's going to cause flooding, or uh, we expect the storm system to uh, dump enough rain, and we try to give people a little heads up with uh, our advanced, um, I was going to say our advanced um, uh, planning. I mean, we may be a little bit off on our forecast, but it's better to tell them a little bit ahead of time that you, you're going to have flooding rather than wait till the heavy rain falls in the middle of the night and then you come in and do it the first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and, well, and, one thing I wanted to mm-hmm, add is mm-hmm. uh, I know you're talking about flooding, but floodwaters in most areas, at least in central Indiana, have receded to the point where they're w- well within their banks. And the, what we're seeing now is the it takes 7 to 10 days for the water to drain out of the um, of our system, so really, the flood the flooding is concentrated along the east fork of the White and and more or less in the Jackson Jackson County uh, south and eastward, and also in the uh, Owen County. The river is going down steadily at uh, at Spencer, so we're talking Green County uh, to, towards the Hazelton area, and of course the Wabash has been on the receding. It's still very high, but it's not the levels we've seen in June. And we expect the river here, uh, and we're not expecting much rain, that the situation will be greatly improved as far as the river level in Greene County come Monday. Typically, the river will start to fall at the rate of three, possibly four or five foot a day, and uh, should be within its banks uh, certainly by next Tuesday. So, uh, I mean... Some areas in the state, especially on the Wabash, have been in flood for more than five weeks, and I believe the flooding in in the um, on the in Greene County, I think that started about the middle or a little bit past the middle of uh, June. So we're looking at, uh, and I, I don't know if it it had a chance to get below briefly before it came back up again. I'm not sure, but as I say, it's certainly been on the high side for going on. A month in uh, in the Green County area. Steve okay, shaking his question. head. I'm yes, sorry. he agrees with you. <laughs> <He's>... <laughs> Al, Al did a really good job of defining what a warning and a watch is. A mm-hmm. uh, watch, you know, obviously is, is uh, well, maybe not obviously, but it's, it's the conditions are right and you need to be watchful. Mm-hmm. Warning is take action. And one of the things that, that we ask people to do is know the difference between those two and get prepared to, to take action uh, when those situations come up, whether it's a flood watcher warning, whether it's a tornado watcher warning. Now, obviously, different things. I mean, flash flooding can be significant and fast, but certainly a tornado, uh, when you have a watch, take cover where you're at. Uh, take cover in your home, an interior room or a basement, uh, and just be ready to, to take action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a flash flood watch or a flash flood warning is based just on the, the amount of rain that's going to come in a short period of time? Is that... Absolutely. You have to look at the antecedent conditions, too. Typically, a three-inch rain uh, depends on in the summertime what the conditions are. 
if you had had a uh, three weeks with no rain, three inches of rain, it's going to hardly do anything. When you had situations where it just stopped raining the day before, and mm-hmm. you had in the past uh, week uh, five or six inches of rain, three inches of rain in a short period of time is going to cause uh, a great deal of uh, of um, flooding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So ground saturation is a huge. Right. Part of this equation, yeah. yeah. And I know, I, you know, we're here in uh, Bloomington today, and I, I guess I want to ask about the lakes and the reservoirs because I know Mon- Lake Monroe is way above uh, its pool uh, level, its its lake level. And I think we had a story recently, the beaches are going to be closed for, you know, the rest of the, the year. They're not going to open at all. I mean, is the, you know, and that lake, of course, a lot of people – Many people don't know this, but it was built for flood control. I mean, mm-hmm. That was the whole reason mm-hmm. that it was built. So what about, um, I guess, John or Al, the, the reservoirs and the lakes? Are they, are they way high? Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and talk. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll let Al follow up. I'm sure he's, he's got a lot of good things to say. We, uh, we have had reports of dams, reservoirs, lakes, um, rivers, creeks, everywhere else, ditches. Um, they're, they're very, very high as far as water is concerned, uh, certainly in the – northeastern part of the state, there have been three dams in particular we've been watching very closely and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers has been working with. And there has been some releases from those dams that, to, to help those uh, from being overtopped. Uh, and that's also affected some crops. Uh, but it's been necessary to, to protect people's homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we do watch those very closely in tandem with the, the county emergency management agencies and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineer, uh, Engineers and, and watch it. Uh, during, especially during times like these with the ground saturation. Right. Mm-hmm. Al, anything to add? Well, as, as, as you're saying there, I don't believe any of them are at historic levels. Uh, uh, they may be rather close, but as I say, I know uh, Monroe in 2011, they actually went through the spillway, and so did uh, Potoka Lake, and, uh, mm. and it got close over on Harden. And I think I know Huntington in 2000. Uh, well, it's not Huntington. It's Roush now. Uh, they went through their. Uh, they were they were over going through their spillway back in uh, 2000. Thir- I believe it was 2013 when they had the big rains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There. We have uh, less than 10 minutes to go, so if you uh, have a question or a comment, you can still slide it in here. Eight five five zero eight one one in Bloomington. That's the eight one two area code, or one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight outside of the the. Uh, the Bloomington area code, or you can join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition, or you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. So, Steve, you've had, you know, a lot of bad luck this year with the rain and the the weather. So I guess I'm just looking for what your strategy is the rest of the summer. I mean, what what can you do to try to to maximize, I guess, your ability to, to weather this storm? For, you know, I hate to use that term, but... You uh, <clears throat> do that by managing your risk, which that's where your crop insurance comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there's just not a whole lot you can do uh, mm-hmm. past that. Uh, so soybeans, you still can try to work with those? Um, it's uh, hit and miss. Mm-hmm. 
This is not the face of an optimistic person right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm figuring soybeans, we've got a 20, 25% reduction in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I know I, we got a, uh, from the Associated Press this morning, it says the prospects for Indiana's flood-ravaged grain crops recovering, becoming increasingly slim with more rain forecast over the next two weeks, according to Purdue Extension experts. Um, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture Crop Progress Report released Monday, uh, 25% of Indiana's corn crop and 26% of the state's soybeans uh, were rated as poor or very poor. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is a best estimate. Mm-hmm. We won't know what we got really until the combine hits the field this fall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we can look at it and make, so, make guesses. Sounds like a lot of sleepless nights for farmers in between now and then. You just have to deal with it. It's part of the business. Yeah. yeah. So, Al, uh, the uh, you know, I just I just read that sentence that said the more rain forecasts over the next two weeks. Is that what you're looking at? Well, we see rain uh, in the forecast here till Tuesday, and then Tuesday through Thursday at this point, uh, and our forecast is dry here, at least in central Indiana. And as I say, the outlooks are hinting at warmer and drier drier conditions for the remainder of, uh, of July. Mm-hmm. Now, when you look back to 1979, I'm not sure if you, if you followed up on that, but you, you said, you know, this Green County crest is like exactly the same as 36 years ago. Is there any way to, to look at what happened to the weather after that and draw any sure kind of comparisons? Is. Yeah. Stop okay. raining. <laughs> September that year mm-hmm. was among the driest ever for the Indianapolis area. I think it was the around the fourth or fifth driest. They had one one hundred cents of rain in in South Bend, and uh, on the other end of the state, in Louisville area, was their wettest September ever. <laughs> so it varied from one end to the other in September. A uh, similar thing happened in 2010, I believe, uh, five years ago. We went from uh, a wet uh, June and July to uh, actually a severe drought by uh, September, October. And um, and then you go look back, and it, so there does seem to be some, uh, I won't say, pre- well, I guess you could say precedent or whatever. When you have one extreme, another extreme may follow. Mm-hmm. And so that what would that mean to uh, the folks on well, the farm, well, Steve? Well, in 79, <laughs> uh, we had, I can remember, remember that, you you kept mowing your grass and whatever in August and September, the temperatures weren't too extreme as long as the temperatures don't get up to be in the mid 90s or hundreds. And the rains came back in October, and uh, it, just, it was it was nice weather essentially. Mm-hmm. Now in 2010, when it got hot and dried out, and the fire and the first combines hit the field and set, started setting everything on fire, then people realized, oh, we we've got uh, fiery conditions. Hmm. And that's what happened in 2010. I can remember calling up the uh, Homeland Security. I said, uh, you think you got any fire danger out there? And they, they, they said no. And then uh, somebody started a combine up and he had a spark out and the fire started. I remember that differently, Al. <laughs> <laughs> as far as from an agriculture standpoint, uh, dry fall is nice. Mm-hmm. Unless yeah. you get the work done. Yeah. But there's just not going to be as much of it to get done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so going forward, you're looking at potentially higher fuel costs, too, if you don't get some dry weather because you're going to have to dry out your your crops using fuel instead of Mother Nature. So yes. that's another. Most most years we dry quite a bit of corn uh-huh. uh, for the simple reason you do better if you shell it a little bit on the wet side as far as your loss in the field from mechanical from the mechanics mm-hmm. of the machine. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's right. a normal expense. So John, John Erickson for the uh, Department of Homeland Security again. So, you know, going, following up for, you know, the rest of, of this summer and into the fall, I mean, what are, what are some things that people need to, that you would like for people to, to be alert to and to be looking at? Sure. Right, right now and in the short term, we've, we've put out some messages about uh, just watch out for scammers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they descend on areas that have had flood and tornado damage, and they're going to use high-pressure sales tactics. They are going to um, try to talk you into things. It doesn't mean everybody who comes to your door, everybody who's a contractor uh, is, is dishonest, but be leery of people who just start coming up to your door and, and saying, you need a new roof or you need this, that, or the other, or I can get you through your insurance something. Mm-hmm. Um, what you need to do is just make sure that they're licensed by the state. They should be able to provide you a number. Uh, you should, they should be able to provide you references from people either you know or you can confirm with. Uh, and it's better, frankly, to, to find someone who, who can be referred by friends or, or other colleagues so that, so that you'll know that they're going to be around. Um, again, doesn't mean just because they've come from another community, another state, that they're trying to scam you, but uh, don't pay for things up front. Uh, if it's not something that's really immediate and, and some scammers will play on your emotions, uh, if it's nothing that needs to be done immediately, try to get several uh, bids so that you can get the best price. But also remember, the lowest price isn't always the best price. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you want to have good quality work done, and you want to have it taken care of in a timely manner. John, does the state maintain any kind of a uh, a list that people can reference? Yes, it, it, there there is one. I got, I have to tell you, I don't know offhand because it's another agency that does it. I can follow up with that. Uh, but the state does license uh, contractors, and they should have a number so that they're state licensed. They should be able to show you that they're bonded, uh, so that if something would happen, they would be covered for it, and, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't be on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to make sure that, that you're in the best position possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you see this pretty much every time something like this happens. Right? We do. It, we we see it with uh, building situations. We see it with people looking for uh, donations. We we've had uh, people impersonate FEMA personnel mm-hmm. saying. You need to give us a. You need to give us some money up front so we can register you. Uh, that does not happen. That that is all done uh, without a fee. Uh, we we try to get that done uh, in as quickly quick a way as possible. And again, we're still gathering information on that to evaluate if we can ask for federal assistance. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in our last few minutes, Al, I want you uh, to you know give us a, a preview of what you expect to see here in the weather in the next couple of weeks. Well, more. A return to uh, typical summer weather in uh, Indiana, uh, somewhat drier, drier conditions, warmer conditions, and uh, with all the rain that we've had here recently, it'll it'll be uh, on the humid side. So there's hope for those of us growing tomatoes, huh? Yes, uh, the tomato weather. Now, I will add, I, I looked at our uh, rainfall reports. 
Vermilion County, which in June had had excess rain, there are parts of Vermilion County that's barely received over an inch of rain so far in the month of June. So they are the driest spot in the state of Indiana. <laughs> so if you're looking for dry weather, you want to go to Clinton or over to the near the Beef House off of Interstate 74. And I'm not advertising for the Beef House. So I'm just saying that's, <laughs> that's that's an area that's uh, was was wet and has dried out and. Uh, and, of course, they may be de- needing rain if we could turn warmer and drier since uh, most of us are looking for those type of conditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All yeah. right. And so warmer and drier would be good for Steve, right? That's what you're looking for. Yeah. Yep. All right. And last word from John Erickson about, uh, you know, what people should be doing. Yeah. If, if you've had damage in your homes, your businesses, there are a lot of local community groups who, who very much want to help and reach out to them. Uh, you need to let your need be known so that they can know what to do, whether it's buying materials or providing people who, who know how to put, put your home back together and help you in the short term and just uh, take some precautions so that the next time something like this happens, it, while we can't prevent it, we, we can minimize some of, the, some of the issues that come up. Should they contact anybody at the state directly and say, hey, I've had this damage? Is that something you want to know about and track? Uh, well, we have that online system. We would like them to report to that. Uh, thank you for mentioning it. But also, for their immediate needs, uh, they can talk to the Red Cross. They can talk to their county emergency management agency. Uh, there are a host of, of organizations, United Way, faith-based groups, that very much care about their communities and want to help. All right. We are out of time. I really want to thank all of our guests today. Steve Crow, thanks so much for being here because, you know, that we can talk about what's going on on the farm, but to have somebody who's living it every day, it really helps to to explain the story to the rest of us Hoosiers out there. And also John Erickson from Indiana Department of Homeland Security. As always, John, thanks for being here. And Al Scheip, you're you're a, a wonderful man with a wonderful memory. You, you can tell us a, a lot of stuff about Indiana's weather history. For producer Al, Alexander McCall, engineering Mike, engineer Mike Pashkash, and Mary Catherine Carmichael, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. Publichealth.indiana.edu.